Today on The Big Show, the next huge superhero film invades theaters this weekend when Deadpool 2 opens, and the breakout star of that film, Zazie Beetz, joins us to talk about her lucky turn. Plus, critic and radio executive Shireen Nicole will stop by to discuss how much longer the comic superhero phenomenon will continue to rule the box office. Plus, we'll have entertainment news and reviews of the latest films, including Deadpool 2, all on the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. And welcome to uh, rainy, rainy, man, not just a rainy day here in D.C. at D.C. Radio at 96.3 HD4, but seems like a rainy couple of weeks, man. We've been in the middle of like tropical monsoon season. It's just been crazy with the weather that we're having. But uh, we're going to soldier on and I've got a really interesting show today. As you heard at the top of the show, uh, from Atlanta to Deadpool 2, Zazie Beats is hot. And, uh, you know, you're going to really love her in this movie. Um, our entertainment uh, show correspondent, Wilson Morales, sat down with her, and we're going to talk to her a little later on in the show. We also have reviews this weekend of, you know, basically the one huge new film that's in theaters, which we already said is Deadpool 2, and a movie that I'm sure that 99% of our audience has never heard of because I didn't hear of it before I watched it earlier this week, which is Terminal. So we'll have reviews of both those movies. And, uh, you know, as I said, Shereen Nicole is going to do her thing when she stops by. I always love having that sister on, really smart. Uh, always has a wonderful kind of uh, perspective on on this superhero thing since I'm kind of learning as we go along. But before we get to all of that, I want to uh, just start off the top of the show today by basically giving you kind of like the update. You know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, as we go around not just film, but in television as well. And we were looking at uh, some of my favorite shows that uh, I watch, and Blackish is definitely one of those shows. And Blackish's season finale was earlier this week. And of course, if you've been following the show, of course, uh, for, for all these seasons, I think it's been three or four seasons that Blackish has been on now. We've watched this dynamic between Dre and Bo and how they've, you know, parented their children, you know, how, they, how they've dealt with trying to shield them from social issues, uh, the issues they're dealing with, you know, having their in you know, having their, you know, uh, mother and father, Dre's mother and father living at the house, the relationship between Bo and her parents and you know, Dre and, you know, so we've seen like their entire worldview. And now over the course of the last several weeks, their marriage, you know, closing in on 20 years is going through some strain. Uh, and I think the, the penultimate episode or last week's episode really kind of puts you in a very dark place, man. Like, wow, these guys actually may, you know, we may see something that we haven't seen a lot on television is two couples actually go through not just a healthy marriage, but divorce, show them separating. And, uh, you know, without, you know, I know our producer hasn't seen it yet, so I'm not going to really spoil exactly what happens. Um, but it, it, it starts off very tenuous and um, they are living apart. And, you know, and it sort of kind of goes from there as the kids now have come to grips that they're sharing. You know, they have two houses to go to and, uh, you know, how they're both settling into their singleness. So, you know, I thought Kenyon Barris and his team did an amazing job with this uh, storyline showing, you know, relationships and kind of trying to trying to put a real face on it and showing it to you uh, in a way that I don't think a lot of television shows have kind of tackled, uh, especially shows in our community. Uh, so I applaud them. Strong job on Blackish. Uh, it is coming back for its next season. Uh, and I think you will like the, the, the I'm not sure if it's resolution, but you will like, I think, the direction that the show kind of takes off into. Now, let's look at a little entertainment news this weekend. And I think part of what I really want to talk about this week 
is more or less what's going on in cons right now, because there are, there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of acclaim. There's a lot of attention uh, being focused over in uh, the south of France right now. And, um, you know, I want to talk about three particular films. And I'm going to start off with uh, a director who I've had a love-hate relationship with, who I think is a brilliant filmmaker, but I think he's a very troubled filmmaker. And that is Lars von Trier, whose film, The House That Jack Built, caused like the ultimate controversy over in cons <laughs> this week. Now, for those of you who don't know what this film is about, it's a story about a serial killer. But before I tell you kind of like what the problem is, you'd have to understand who Lars von Trier's is and the types of films that Lars von Trier's makes. Um, let's just say his films are so distinctive to me because I know I've walked out of one. Uh, he did a film years ago called uh, Antichrist. And the Antichrist, of course, was a story of, of a couple who were having some really dark issues. And, you know, I think there was supposed to be some either female genital mutilation or and, and I was like, nah, enough. I can't do that one. Um, he did a film and I can't remember the title of it with Willem Dafoe uh, and I forget the young lady who played his wife, where they were struggling with uh, the death of their small child who they left unattended. And he climbed up into a window and fell out of a window and died. Um, Lars von Trier's makes really dark, kind of in your face, really kind of, you know, immersive films that are not for everybody. So which gets us back to cons in the house that Jack built. And I haven't seen the film yet. And all I know about this controversy is the 100 people who reportedly walked out of the world premiere screening uh, when there was the serial killer literally shot two kids in the head. And people were like, no, nah, that's enough, man. I'm out. Now, as a, a film festival veteran, I've been at Sundance, right? And I've watched, you know, critics bail, man, on movies that, you know, either had bad subject matter. You know, there was a there's a famous film from years ago that people still talk about at Sundance now called The Greasy Strangler about a guy who <laughs> and, and I don't even know if I can say this. I probably can't say it on the radio, but basically it was a character who, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they said wore Daisy Duke shorts genitalia was exposed kind of was killing people it, it was a it was a really weird movie so as i'm saying this i'm saying that the the experience of people bailing on movies is it happens a lot especially when it, it's controversial subject matter uh the house that jack built it's going to be really interesting somebody's going to pick this movie up um because lars von trier's is, is a name that's been well established he he kind of fits into a certain place somebody's going to pick this film up for distribution and with the with all the negative press that's coming out of cons right now it's going to be really interesting how that film is received by people who are in my field so the house that jack built keep that one in mind months from now when you hear that again uh, the other film that's getting a lot of heat over at Sundance right now is Spike Lee's uh, basic comeback film. And that film is Black Klansman. Uh, they released the trailer for it uh, earlier this week. And it tells the true story of an African-American police detective in Colorado Springs who joins the who joins the police force to integrate it. And he comes up with a great idea to kind of infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan. Now, along with his white partner, they forge like one particular person. So when he's on the phone talking to David Duke at the time, it's him pretending to be, you know, white. But when they have to see him, he sends his Jewish partner in. So it's this really interesting story that is getting rave reviews over in cons right now. Um, I've heard that this is the, the comeback film for Spike Lee. This is probably Spike's best film maybe in a decade i mean this is this is this film is really bringing spike back it's executive produced by jordan peele um black klansman is opening in theaters on august the 10th i'm really really excited about that and spike lee early in his career nobody did race better than he did in films and you know for whatever reason i think 
I would I would almost venture to say from stretching itself too thin over the last 10 years, Spike has taken on some projects, man, and they've kind of, he hasn't had the financing. He's got focused films behind him. This film looks good. The trailer, if you haven't had an opportunity, watch Black Klansman. It looks really, really interesting. And the last film, which is getting a lot of heat, and it's because of what it kind of alleges, is the documentary Whitney uh, that literally premiered over at Cannes earlier this week as well. And in this documentary, we find out that Whitney Houston was sexually abused when she was a child. And we find out that not only was she abused, but she was abused by a family member who they've now named uh, her cousin, Dee Dee Warwick. Uh, so... Well, not Dion Warwick, but I'm saying Dee Dee Warwick, which is probably somebody in that family tree. Uh, and that I'm not really sure exactly because I haven't read to find out uh, if the documentary is really good. But I think right now that admission is kind of shadowing everything that has to, that has to do with that documentary. Um, I don't know if it's been purchased yet, if it's been bought um, but it really is going to be something. And in and, and, and a way, I hate when we find out about stuff like this, when a person's not around to kind of give the other side of the story. I mean, um, you know, I, without getting too deep into this, it's, it's kind of disturbing to me when we find out stuff after the fact. Like, for an example, um, I don't I don't know if you guys remember several months ago when Quincy Jones went on record and did a wide ranging interview where he literally was just outing everybody. You know, I'm just, you know, I saw stuff with Richard Pryor. I saw stuff with Marlon Brando. I saw stuff with this per this person, this singer, <laughs> this musician. I don't like after the fact stories and neither should you. I mean, I don't think it's fair not to say that in this case of this documentary, I don't think the director went into it with the intent to try to, tr to entrap or to kind of smear Whitney's name. I just think sometimes in documentaries, you have to go where the information takes you. You know, if you are you, you have a project you want to do. So I'm sure she probably started off wanting to talk about Whitney Houston. And for whatever reason, this information came up and I guess they included it and included it into the documentary. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, at least two of these films. I'm still kind of on the fence on the first film that we discussed, uh, The House That Jack Built, because like I said, I know Lars von Trier's movies and I've experienced them firsthand throughout my career. And a lot of times those films do not feel good to me. Now, they may work for somebody that's listening to me right now, but not necessarily for me. Alrighty, uh, so I think that's my wrap up on cons right now. As I said earlier, uh, cannot wait for the Black Klansman. And in case you didn't see it earlier this week, they also announced that coming up next March, Jordan Peele's follow-up film to Get Out will be released. Uh, it stars Lupita Nyong'o and it's called Us. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, they said the next nightmare from Jordan Peele, from the mind of Jordan Peele. I'm like, uh-oh, here we go again. So along with Black Klansman, Jordan Peele is slowly kind of putting his imprint on things, his stamp on things, and then putting him with Spike Lee together on Black Klansman. Boy, that should be really, really hot. All right, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back on the other side, um, I want to talk to a really good friend of mine, uh, Shireen Nicole, because I'm always interested in what's going on with these superhero films, how much legs do these films have, or are these things kind of here to stay as a part of our cinematic kind of experience right now. You guys are listening to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon here at DC Radio, and we'll be right back.
Okay, and welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon here at DC Radio, 96.3 HD4, and that's dcradio.gov. Um, we've got movie reviews coming up and uh, a couple of more segments. We'll be talking Deadpool 2 this week, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, but right now, online with me is uh, a young lady who um, I've grown quite fond of. Uh, over our professional career. Uh, very smart sister, very ambitious sister, very knowledgeable sister. Uh, sister who I just sat next to at a movie uh, earlier this week who really kind of watches movies and doesn't really communicate a lot, and I'm good with that. Uh, but having said all of that, <laughs> film critic, radio executive from Adobe Radio, Ms. Shereen Nicole, welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Thank you, Tim, and hello to everybody listening. And they said hello, in case you didn't hear them. Um, I just wanted to, to tease you to start it off, because we were at Deadpool 2. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Deadpool 2, it was Solo uh, earlier this week, yes. right? And, um, you know, as a person who I'm assuming you grew up with some level of what they would call, uh, you know, somebody who's a, a Star Wars, uh, you know, I don't know what the phrase is. For the Star Trek people, they call them Trekkies. I don't know what you would call people who are kind of obsessive about Star Wars, but whatever they call them, you clearly were one of them, I would assume. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean... I'm trying to think. When the first film came out, I think I had the pleasure of falling asleep on it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I loved how you watched uh, Solo because, you know, I think we were all there for uh, Lando Calrissian, uh, played by Donald Glover. Um, and we won't talk about that right now. But what I wanted to bring you on the show to talk to you about is that we now are 10 years deep into the Marvel Universe. We are literally, I guess, Batman Begins came out in 2005. So we're 13 years probably total between the two universes and, and any other films that have been in between. Um, it appears that looking at the box office for Avengers Infinity War, Black Panther, that, the, you know, people, it's this unsatiable desire that people can't get enough of these films. But in your estimation, how long can that last? And will the bubble burst at any point? Well, are we talking in the next five years, uh, the next 10 years in your estimation? How, how much longer, how strong can this, can this phenomenon grow? Well, I mean, I think you made a great analogy when you spoke about Star Wars. You could you could have asked the same question about that, except that they took a massive break in between. I think that Marvel is doing what Star Wars did, but they're expanding the universe much faster. So they could go on for a very long time when you're branching out to Captain Marvel for reasons unknown. <laughs> but you're also getting into Ant-Man and the Wasp and they're going to continue to grow on that uh, rumor has it that an actress has been cast for Monica Rambo, who is another Captain Marvel except a black one uh, Kevin Feige has said they're going to do Miss Marvel who is the third Captain Marvel except a Muslim a South, a South Asian Muslim one right. yes so they have the legs in this universe to to keep expanding. Well, I think this gets me back to another question that I was asking uh, a critic friend of mine earlier because I'm I'm just amazed by this, right? Um, Disney at this point literally owns three of the hottest properties, production companies in all of Hollywood right now. They've got Lucasfilms, which they bought for $4 billion uh, several years ago, which, is, which produces all the Star Wars films and all these origin stories that they're now creating. They've got Marvel, which now has its own universe 10 years deep, and I think they're on film 19, about to go to 20, with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp in a couple of months. They also have Pixar, uh, which dominates the kind of animated space. Are we getting to a point, and, and again, I'm not saying that consolidation is bad, but I'm just saying it feels like we've been watching Disney movies all year. I mean, between <laughs> Panther, Wrinkle in Time, this film, Marvel's got a piece of Deadpool that's coming out this weekend. I mean, it's, I mean, Solo's coming out in a week. 
I mean, is is that bad for the industry or is that good for the industry in your estimation? Well, I mean, it's good for the industry because what it says to other massive conglomerates is come to the table to play ball. Make good stories. It's, it's not that Disney is massive. Disney is massive because it tells great stories. Yeah, well, it's, it's a legitimate point. I mean... Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm thinking about it because I was thinking that it's hard to really mess one of these movies up. But that's not true. Oh, no, it's very easy. Yeah, because when George Lucas, I mean, I'm no disrespect to George Lucas is the guy who was the visionary who saw something. But I don't think it's it's a secret that the, the, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Episodes one, two and three were horrible. The best thing that happened to Star Wars is him selling that to Disney and (laughs) Disney coming in with the with the real vision on how to move that franchise forward. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You you could wish that the the second three movies, which are the first three chronologically, were never made. They're terrible. You know, it, it's like someone grabbed your childhood and slapped it. <laughs> wow! <laughs> never thought of that. Thought of it that way before. <laughs> but so again, Disney really has a way of telling great stories. And when they brought Marvel in, Marvel was already taking back its properties and telling their stories the way they needed to be told. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a note for Warner Brothers in DC, which is where my heart is, to 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 kind of raise their level. Well, I think I think the the thing that I notice and you know it's funny, I was I was listening to an interview this morning uh with Josh Brolin. And of course, Josh Brolin is a villain in two of the biggest films that are, that are out right now. Actually, one that's about to come out, Deadpool, where he plays Cable. And of course, he's Thanos. He's not a villain. Cable's not a villain. He's another anti-hero. Just, let me, let me just finish. like Deadpool. Let me finish. I'm saying yes, but I'm saying when they gave him the script, he, he thought, because he didn't know the story, so he perceived it as being him being a villain. But you're absolutely correct, Shireen. But... Him, you know, I listened to this interview with him this morning, and he, they were asking him the differences between Thanos and Cable. And he's, you know, he talked about how Thanos was really kind of this really dark character who was obsessed with power and trying to obtain these different stones, as we see in, in this film. And how Cable, you know, is much funnier. You know, his his character has a lot more heart. Um, right now, if we're talking about actors right now. Is and with Sicario coming up probably next month, how hot is Josh Brolin right now? He he is like the go-to dude for like a lot of these movies right now. <laughs> yeah, he's the new hotness. It's because <laughs> Brolin is versatile. Like there are no similarities between Cable and Thanos. Literally none. Not the way they talk. Not the way they think. Nothing about them parallels each other and honestly Brolin for DC should have been a great uh, Jonah Hex he wasn't because he had a bad script but um, it just proves that a great actor can morph into any role and as a sidebar to any comic book fans out there if you're looking for a villain who is similar to Thanos in the DC universe it would be right now the thinker on the CW on the show called The Flash. They have a lot of similarities as far as their goals and thinking that they're saving humanity while actually destroying it. All right. That's why we have Shireen Nicole on this show. And that's who we're talking to from Adobe Radio right now. Um, Shireen, you're absolutely right. And I forgot I was making a point when I went into this whole uh, Josh Brolin thing. Um, I was going to say that Marvel has Kevin Feige. Dizzy, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, DC needs a Kevin Feige. They don't. They need one person who really is a fan that can kind of, you know, use the vision to try to create a universe that is kind of like a modern, like reading, like cinematic comic book. That's basically all Marvel is. Um, and I'm just worried because I'm like. Are we going to still, like, like you know, we're now talking about films 19 and 20. Are we going to be having this conversation in, like, 10 years and be like, yes, this is the 40th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I'm, and, and, and it may happen. I mean, Marvel yeah. right now, it's like rinse and repeat. 
well, you know, yes, DC would need a a Kevin Feige, and on the on the television side, they do have one. His name is Greg Berlanti. Well, Greg needs to. They need to bring Greg over to the big screen part because they do not understand what to do with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. I mean, they are truly struggling. They are truly struggling. Well, the problem is, is that you've got a lot of people who don't understand the properties trying to take the lead on these films. Just like you said, Kevin Feige and the people that he's worked that are working with him, like Nate Moore. They grew up loving comic books. Their intent is to make great movies about these characters. At the moment, Warner Brothers' intent is to make blockbusters, and they don't care how much they have to silly-putty the characters to force them into whatever blockbuster they think they're supposed to be making. And you'll always fail with that approach because there's no heart in it. No, you're absolutely right. Um, so we talked about we were talking about the Marvel property right now. Uh, word just came down today, or maybe yesterday, that uh, the the wonderful people at Disney are thinking about making a standalone origin Lando Carrissian Car- story with Donald <laughs> with Donald Glover. I that was tanked. No, I just I just found out last night. I just got a, an alert. I have a, a a paper that I published, and I guess either between Shadow and Act, BlackFilm.com, somebody wrote a piece that uh, it's alive again. They're back. Okay. They must have gotten some of the early reviews back and found out that people were enjoying um, Donald Glover's. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm pausing. If I'm pausing a lot, there's a massive echo. Oh, okay. I understand. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we're going to work through it. I mean, you know, we, we here at DC Radio, we've learned that, you know, we kind of overcome the odds. And that's why, that's why well, sister, I, I got say, you. Huh? They must have gotten word back that Donald Glover is fantastic and they need to kind of Black Panther <laughs> the Star Wars universe. So, which which gets me back to another big issue, because uh, we got a couple of minutes to go. Um, I am assuming that this year's Comic Con, there's going to be a huge reveal, at least uh, on where they're going to take the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because as of now, after we see Captain Marvel in the final film in this kind of Infinity Wars, which will close out Phase Three, we have no information but just a lot of open dates. Um, what are you anticipating is coming down the pike since you are a person who has read these comics? Well, I think a lot of people are hoping that they're going to, with the acquisition of Fox, do X-Men versus Mutants, which would be massive, right? But they probably have to build up for the, to that. So they've got a few films coming out on the X-Men side. As I said, they're already hinting towards things like Miss Marvel, and Photon, a.k.a. Monica Rambo, And we're seeing that we'll probably get more Miss Marvel movies, we'll get more Ant-Man and Wasp movies. So I think that Phase 4 is really just spreading out into more characters that, that maybe the, the main public hasn't seen before. Hmm. Which characters, I'm not sure. I'm hoping for a Storm standalone movie, absolutely. I think that we may get a Dora Milaje Women of Wakanda film. There is a possibility that Shuri from Black Panther may become either Ironheart, which is the scion of, of Tony Stark, or she may become another Black Panther. Nice. Well, we'll find out. I mean, Comic-Con is coming in a couple of, I think a couple of months or next month. I'm not really sure exactly when, but it's coming pretty soon. Uh, Shireen, I will tell you one thing I'm looking out for. What? I look out for Infinity War Part 2 to be moved up all of a sudden. You mean, I don't you mean sooner? Wait until 2019. Are you talking about moved up sooner than, because it's funny because they talked to Josh Brolin. He said as of now, he doesn't even think they have a finished screenplay for that thing yet. Um, I don't know about that. Well, I, mean, I think we're going to see that get moved up. You mean to moved up later this year or moved up to earlier next year? It's going to get moved up sometime in between the frame, framework you named. 
Okay. All right. Because <laughs> Captain Marvel is March of next year. So I'm saying moved up before Marvel or at, right up against Marvel? I don't know. You have to understand, I don't care about Captain Marvel. Carol Danvers <laughs> is not a character I've ever been interested in. <laughs> but but knowing the Russo brothers and Marvel, I don't see them waiting a whole year to do the part two of Infinity Wars. All right. Well, I tell you what, we're going to bring you back because uh, if that prediction is true, I'm going to be like, see, that's why we have Shereen Nicole on the air. Shereen, thank you, sister. It's always a pleasure to have you on and let people know how they can follow your content or where they can find you on Adobe. Okay. Well, yeah, you can look out for Adobe. That's I-D-O-B-I dot com. You'll find all the radio stations there. There's portals. You'll find my personal show, Geek Girl Riot, there. And if you're a music maker, people are emailing me all day about premiering new music. All right. And where are they emailing you? Are you not going to tell them? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm 3,000 deep in my email box right now, unread. All right. Well, uh, if you can find Serene Nicole... At whatever this mystery email is, send in your music. She wants to hear it. <laughs> if it's alternative rock, I do. All right, sister. All right, well, we will talk to each other pretty soon. Thank you for your time again, Shireen, and it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Tim. It's wonderful. All right, dear. You take care. We'll talk soon. All right, you too. Okay. And, of course, that is Shireen Nicole from Adobe Radio. I love having her on. I love her perspective. And, you know, she's very steeped uh, in this in this genre. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back on the other side, it'll be time for us to sit down with the, one of the breakout stars of Deadpool 2, Zazie Beats. You guys keep it where you got it. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wendell Pierce, and you're listening to The Big Show. Keeping it real with Film Gordon on Film Gordon Radio. Welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon here at DC Radio, 96.3 HD4, and that's dcradio.gov. Our next guest has starred for two seasons on one of the most critically acclaimed comedies on television, Atlanta, and is getting rave reviews for her breakout performance as superhero Domino in Deadpool 2. Recently, she sat down with show correspondent Wilson Morales to talk about her work in the film. But before we hear their conversation, Here's a clip of Zazie Beats in Deadpool 2. We're gonna lose them. Drop it in. It's Cable, 12 o'clock. New plan! Use all of your imaginary powers to stop Cable from killing that kid! Where is he? I can't see him. He's on top of you! He's going in through the back! Oh god, he's inside! You hear yourself, right? An accidental double entendre! Yeah, so you've got that pull, and obviously, uh, I know when it was starting to put it together with this character, there were a number of people being mentioned. So, was there anything special you did during the audition that you think may have gotten you the role? Hmm. I think, which is, I think, actually a, a thing that ended up being sort of a big part of the movie. I think Ryan really liked um, working against the sarcasm and sometimes like darkness of the lines but approaching some of it with a, a lighter sort of air you know um, and in the film domino kind of approaches her life sort of with a little bit of carelessness because she because of her luck she doesn't really have to worry about it everything just works out and i think she you know i think in the audition i kind of embodied some of that but honestly 
Who knows? Because the other women they were talking to are pretty great actresses as well and um, do more comedy than I do. So um, <laughs> maybe a little bit of luck played a role as well. Yes, indeed. So let's go back. Was it something that you uh, that attracted? Was it something that was presented to you or was it something you wanted to do? This was something that was definitely presented to me. Um, my agents called me up and said that Ryan and Dave, the director, were interested in, in talking to me about potentially working on this movie with them. And so I had a, an initial meeting with Dave and an initial meeting with Ryan. And then a couple of weeks later, I, they flew me back to L.A. to um, do a, a chemistry read with Ryan. And I, and I also read with Dave. Um, and then a few weeks later... I found out that I had booked the role, but I know that they had been kind of looking for a woman for some time, and, um, you know, I, um, yeah, yeah I, I didn't pursue this, I, I didn't pursue it at all, I didn't even know it was happening until it was brought up, brought to my attention, so, you know, there are so many things that are kind of, so many projects that happen simultaneously, and, yes, yeah, so it was a relatively normal, organic auditioning experience in a way. Mm-hmm. I've seen the movie. You know, Domino is such a badass. You know, obviously uh, no fear. You. you know, so what makes her? Uh, what makes her unique on screen that's different from the comic books? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I think that you know, I think in the comic books she's actually less sort of humorous than she is on screen. I think in the comic books she's actually a little bit, um, a little bit dark a little bit more dark, a little bit more serious than she is on screen. I think in this movie we played up her sort of a little bit more effervescent kind of lighter in spirit take on life um, than in the comics, which I think works really well, um, sort of juxtaposing um, sort of like a little bit of a turn, a, a tune down from Deadpool and like a tune up from sort of Cable's super curmudgeon way. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw some stuff, that, some articles in which you talked about the hair, but I'm going to talk about the workout because Domino has some action scenes. So what did you do workout-wise to get prepared for this role? Oh, I did a lot. I did about four hours a day. Um, I started working out two months before production, and then I didn't do any action scenes until a month into production. So um, I did... Uh, two hours in the morning where I did a bunch of fight training and it was sort of the choreography and mixed martial arts and boxing training and sparring and then in the afternoon I did two hours of weightlifting and I you know I had more fun with the fight training than with the weightlifting essentially it's it's almost like dancing because you're learning you know you're learning these moves and you're also learning new skill sets like you know I was learning how to kick and how to move my body in order to do that and finding balance and finding strengths and um you know kind of fight you know i was trying to learn how to do flips and all these things and tumbles and so it was kind of that was a more interactive experience i think and learning genuine new skills um whereas the weightlifting was kind of monotonous but um you know that ended up really being so necessary i think to have the stamina and to have just sort of like the basic foundation in order to have the physicality in order to do all those fight scenes you know the majority um and the director was really big on this he really wanted me to do as many stunts as i could and i did the majority of them i think most of them made the movie i mean there's one i know for sure where it's my stunt double but besides that i don't really know beyond like where they maybe filled in a cgi of i'm not being used but um we really, you know, I think it ends up looking better because you can capture the people's, you can capture their face. You don't have to sort of play too many tricks with camera angles when you're using a double, when you're not using a double. And I, um, you know, I was really proud of, it felt also really empowering sort of the fake fighting, you know, you kind of, you really get into it and you really do feel strong and you feel in control and it is a, it is kind of a cool, a cool thing to experience. So yeah, it was a big part of her for sure. You know, the good thing about it is that you're part of this main cast. Obviously, there's a lot of people in this movie that doesn't stay in there long enough, but, you know, you have a poster for yourself, you're, you're left and right, people know who you are. How much fun was working on this set and obviously establishing that chemistry with Ryan so that, I guess, we, the audience, can see it? Mm. Yeah, 
right. I mean, it was, um, you know, I think, I think that stuff like that just happens also sort of naturally, right? Like, they, a lot of times in movies, they'll start with sort of easier scenes in the beginning, so you're not, like, thrown into a super emotional scene, you don't know anybody, because a lot of times, you know, it wasn't the case with me and Ryan, we had met uh, sort of, like, one and a half times before we sort of, like, really started shooting, I guess, or, you know, really sort of began preparing for the movie, but, um, a lot of times you meet you meet your fellow actors um, when you come to set and you begin shooting, you know, and so it's tough to, you know, to throw somebody into a super emotional scene if you don't know anybody. Um, but over the course of shooting a movie or shooting a TV show, you know, you spend 12 to 16 to 18 hours a day together. And so it sort of just happens naturally. You're sitting around and you're waiting for your next shot or you're preparing together, you're rehearsing together. You're just like you're running scenes together and, you know, relationships sort of just organically develop, which is why also movies, movie sets are super interesting because you spend a month to six months or nine months, you know, like really getting to know each other super intimately for long periods of time. And, um, you know, you, you're completely just thrown into this family. You're removed from your own family. Like, I mean, I was alone in Vancouver for the majority of the like four and a half, five months I was there. And that, that was my family. Those are the people I knew, everybody that I met on that set. Um, and so you get super close. And then as soon as you wrap, you don't see them again for another year <laughs> because you all live all over the place, you know? So it's sort of like, it's like kind of like summer camp. Right. And so you get super intimate really quickly. Um, so I think that was sort of an element of it as well. But that's also why you have auditions and why you do a chemistry read. Like, you can't fake chemistry so much. And so they have to see, like, maybe you can act the role, but do you work with the other actors involved? And so that was sort of a big part of it as well. Hmm. You know, as an actress, and in the span of four years, you've gone from short films to a film like Wolves to Geostorm to an award-winning show like Atlanta and now a big international movie like Deadpool. So when your people now know who you are, how do you stay humble? but I think I keep myself relatively grounded actually I also have um, I'm very close with my parents and I'm, I have um, a really wonderful um, partner who we live together we've been together now for four years and um, um, my family is super grounding and I have a bunch my I keep my friends very close. They're like tight and small and close, but um, you know, these are all people I've had in my life for many years. And um, you know, with them, when I when I go into a room with them, you know, I you know, fame isn't as much of a character as it maybe is with um, other people I'm, I'm meeting now in my life. But you know, it's also I think it's easy to also discern when somebody is interested in you in one way sort of because you suddenly have value um, beyond just your personality and your character and just who you fundamentally are and you can I think sort of pick that out pretty quickly but also I think it's just about being aware and, and remaining aware you know people suddenly you know I think the reason people change a lot of the time and I, I don't know you know I haven't been wildly successful in this industry for many many years so I you know I I can't speak from experience. I'm still experiencing new things every day right now. Um, but, you know, people start treating you differently. You know, you get um, babied a lot more. People take care of everything for you. People, um, you know, you're kind of shuttled about. You have to be more insulated because, um, you know, there are, you suddenly become an opportunity for many people. And so people want things from you all the time and you really have to protect yourself. But I think within that space and also people like pander to you and are nice to you all the time, even if they aren't feeling that way about you. And so I think it's about just staying aware of like, okay, you know, reading a room and what's the situation right now? You know, like if I was just angry at someone, but they're still being super nice to me, then, you know, is that coming from a truthful place? And just being aware of that and being aware of like, am I, am I still functioning as, as person to person? Or am I, am I falling into this thing of thinking everybody likes you or thinking everybody wants you when, you know, that's just, when it maybe is coming from a more self-serving place or also just like allowing yourself to continue like um doing things for yourself and 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 remaining capable for yourself and you know so um I don't know I'm also like I'm relatively self-critical about my work and I I really I, I don't think 
uh, I, I think I can hopefully do a lot better. I, I want to keep learning. I've actually been wanting to this month. I want to get a coach, an acting coach, and like continue working on my craft. And I think, I think if you stay in the mindset of like continuing to better yourself and continuing to remain empathetic, I think that's how you do it. I don't know. I, I also think I've been told this by multiple people who've been in the industry for a long time, but I think fame really just amplifies whoever you are sort of fundamentally. And if you were an asshole from the beginning, then that's just going to come out more. And if you were empathetic and cared about people from the beginning, that that will just be amplified. So um, hopefully, I don't know, maybe I'll find out who I really am. <laughs> yeah. and to wrap- we have time for one more question. Okay. Uh, uh... Are you signed on for more films regarding Deadpool and what's coming up next? Am I? Sorry, can you repeat that one more time? Are you signed on to hopefully repeat this role? Or if not, what do you have Oh, I am contracted to Fox for three more movies, but that's not necessarily sequels. That's... um, just movies with with the studio so but i i'm pretty sure i'm going to be a part of the x-force movie um i've met the director of it and he's lovely he's so smart and he's wonderful and um i think they are going to um sort of reintroduce all the characters they've introduced in this one in this double two and kind of just double down on getting to know them and i mean there's no script, as far as I know, available. So I'm not, I don't really know what the storyline may be, but um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be a part of it. That's sort of the conversations I've sort of loosely, unofficially had with, like, Ryan and, and the team, so. Fair enough. Is that anything? It's Ozzy. Hopefully I'll see mm-hmm. you sometime in New York, and uh, I'll introduce myself. <laughs> that way you Oh, know. yeah. And, uh, well, thanks so much for chatting. Have a good one. All right, and that was Zazie Beats starring in Deadpool, playing in theaters this weekend. Coming up next, we'll review the aforementioned film and others in our final segment. You're listening to The Big Show here at DC Radio, and we'll be right back. to DC Radio here at uh, 96.3 HD4, and that's dcradio.gov. This segment is brought to you by thefilmgordon.com. Experience film through the life of a true film addict, me, (laughs) the Film Gordon, uh, for our movie reviews. And talking about movie reviews, without further ado, here's the music. There are two new releases this week, uh, one big, one small, uh, but we're going to start off with Small first, and of course, Small is a film, as I said at the top of the show, that a lot of people probably have never heard about before, and of course, that film is Terminal, and Terminal is uh, you know, a, a story of two hitmen who agree to take on a high-risk mission for a mysterious employer and a large paycheck. Along the way, they encounter a woman who be, who may be more involved in their mission than they have realized. The film is the directorial debut of Vaughn Stein, and it stars Margot Robbie, Simon Pegg, Dexter Fletcher, Max Irons, and Mike Myers, and follows the entwining lives of two assassins, a fatally ill teacher, a janitor, and a waitress, all whom become part of an evil mastermind's murderous plan. And here is a clip from Terminal. Listen to me. You've made a mistake. A big one. But it is a redeemable error. You're going to put on the rest of your clothes. You're going to gather your things. You're going to give me the key. And then you're going to run for your life. You've no idea who I am, what I do, 
who I work for. Au contraire, Mr. Nigel Illing. I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what it is you do. And I know exactly who you work for. All right, this film, again, um, it's, a, it's a really interesting film that actually opened previously last week, and it's on Netflix right now. We've already talked about how on Netflix movies play, and, you know, there's no fanfare. We don't know when things are released, so we just got an opportunity to see this film a week after its release. So I will just cut to the chase and say it's a very stylish, film noir, futuristic story with an attractive lead in, Mar- in Margot Robbie and a notable supporting characters. Uh, my issue with this film is that I thought it was kind of murky and it had a strange introduction and essentially the story for me goes downhill from there. Now, you know, the film kind of examines the, the after effects after a mysterious woman makes a deal with an unknown mobster and we witness a string of various subplots that ultimately tie together, but it's a long and winding road to get there and emotionally I was tapped out long before we got to the finish of this film. Now, for me, the only reason to watch this film is Robbie, who has been gorgeous in everything she's done, whether it's been with Will Smith and Focus or other films that she's done. But despite her presence, there's only so much cinematic capital that she can bring to this story that is basically DOA uh, as soon as the cameras start rolling. And then the film's final twist. I mean, I found it interesting, but by the time I got there, I really didn't even care. And actually, neither will you. I gave Terminal a big fat D. Um, Not a good film at all. You've never heard of a film. And guess what? In this case, ignorance is bliss. (laughs) So Terminal, not a really good experience unless you are a Margot Robbie fan. And that brings me to... Uh, our big film for the weekend. And of course, that film is Deadpool 2, uh, the film that tells the continuing story of the foul-mouthed mutant mercenary Wade Wilson, a.k.a. Deadpool, who brings together a team of fellow mutant rogues to protect the young boy of supernatural abilities from a brutal time-traveling mutant, Cable. Uh, This film is directed by David Leitch from a script by Rhett Reese, Paul Warnick, and Ryan Reynolds, with Reynolds starring in a title role alongside Josh Brolin, uh, Marina Baccara, Julian Dennison, Zazie Beetz, T.J. Miller, Brianna Hildebrand, and Jack Kessie. And here's a clip from Deadpool. It appears as if the X-Men are arriving with what appears to be a trainee. Everyone calm down. The pros are here. I... We're the X-Men. What are you doing? My job. You're the one who said I was ready, and I frankly disagree with you. But here we are, trying to overcome our differences. Like Beyonce says, please, please stop cheating on me. Hey, this is the fifth incident. This kid needs to be in the icebox, not here. Russell belongs in our care, not in prison. I assure you, we have everything under control. Not getting a real under control vibe here, Marty. It is Glenn, isn't it? Daniel. I'll ask the questions. Let me talk to the kid. You stay here with your weird secret sex lips. All righty. <laughs> a lot of fun with this one. The saga of X-Men's funniest character continues. This is the 11th film in the X-Men franchise. And uh, <laughs> this, the, the initial story in this franchise, I thought, was, was one deal. You know, the, the initial story in this tale, I thought, really was good. I thought they got the tone right. I thought everything worked about it. Uh, in this one, he's, it's not necessarily an origin story, but this one kind of deals with loss and regret. And when you see the film, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, his new, he's got a new nemesis in this film, Cable. And, you know, Poole pulls together his X-Force to try to take him down and also protect this young mutant. Uh, Zazie Beats, who we listened to in the last segment, uh, steals every scene she's in with her special superpower. Her superpower, by the way, is luck. You know, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. And it's a superpower that's very selfish that works for her and nobody else. So you know how you think about superheroes and you think about, you know, Superman saving the world, Iron Man coming to somebody's defense. No, Domino's superpower is just about her. <laughs> and, I, and it's the coolest thing. And it's a wonderful 
kind of a, a laugh track that kind of goes through this entire story. Like it's always a wonderful point uh, that brings forth a lot of humor. Now, the tone, which was superb in the original, is refined and spectacular in this film. They really got this film right. Everything works about it. You know, I understood that Ryan Reynolds is actually writing dialogue up until they were shooting. So everything is kind of current. You've got to really listen closely. You're going to probably have to go back and see this film maybe two or three times because there's so many funny kind of throwaway lines in it that you may miss because somebody sitting next to you is laughing through the through the previous one. Um, you know, Reynolds excels by never taking himself or his character too seriously in this film. And I think that that's the part of how they've really gotten Deadpool right that's really so close to what I've heard from people who've read the comics that uh, Reynolds has done an amazing job with this. Uh, for people who don't remember, Reynolds actually was the Green Lantern. You know, when we talked earlier about having, you know, a, a superstar that had a bad screenplay, that was a bad screenplay. He also played Deadpool uh, in, a, in another one of the X-Men film where they, they basically took away his speech. Um, and you remember that when you watch this film uh, to find out how Ryan Reynolds kinds of corrects those wrongs. Uh, this film I thought was smart. I thought the screenplay was witty. I thought the performances from the entire cast were winning. Uh, it is the most laughs I've had in a long time. I was howling watching this movie. I mean, I, it is really, really funny. Uh, Deadpool 2 rocks. And make sure you stay for the end credits, because uh, I was begging for more end credits uh, in this film. Deadpool 2 is absolutely fantastic tone acting, story, I gave it an A. I thought Deadpool 2 is easily going to be the movie this week that's on pace for between, I don't know, 120 to about maybe 100 and, excuse me, 150 to maybe about 175 million this week. They're estimating that this film is going to take in, but Deadpool 2 is really, really funny and it's really really strong um it's gonna be interesting as we we talked in the last segment about the acquisition of fox um and how you know what's that gonna do to franchise franchises like the x-men fantastic four deadpool needs to be in that mix as well um it to me i would love to find out if there's a universe that's, that exists that you could have ant-man deadpool and maybe um uh, uh, Iron Man, all, you know, these three characters all interacting with each other because I think, and uh, Peter Quill, um, Chris, Chris, uh, what is this guy's name from Guardians of the Galaxy? It would be really interesting to to take these characters that, that really don't take themselves too seriously and then mix them in with the rest of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe to find out if there's a mix there that really works that would really kind of push these characters over the top. But Deadpool 2, I don't know what has gotten into Ryan Reynolds. Um, as I said earlier, you know, he had a couple of failed attempts at these movies that really didn't work. And, you know, he's now a producer and a star and a co-writer uh, to a certain extent on this film. And, you know, he is he whatever his whatever formula, whatever they are doing, we need to see more of this in films. There's more of this tone, which I think. Really, you can, you, you know, it's almost like a very enjoyable potpourri that you get in here and you watch these films. And um, it's not just about what things blow up or, you know, what superpowers they have. But the fact that, um, for an example, there's a there's a scene in here when, uh, you know, because this character, of course, can't be killed. You know, Deadpool, you know, is kind of eternal. And we find out, you know, what happens, uh, you know, like parts of his body kind of grow back. And there's a hilarious middle scene in this film, man, where uh, let's just say that his body is not matching up like the entire body, like one half is something and the other half is another another part. Oh, my God. I, without ruining it, I just thought it was the most funny it, it, it was it was hilarious. People were screaming in the theater. So Deadpool 2, if you can get out there tonight and check that movie out, please do. It is a blast and a whole lot of fun. Whole lot of fun. All right. So that takes us to the end of the show. And that's it for us this week. 
As we say uh, every week in closing, please see something good at the movies. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you guys on the other side. You enjoy.